What are some of the pitfalls that you've seen or some of the mistakes you've just seen over and over of painters making in their marketing side of their business that you're like, okay, enough's enough. Everyone needs to know this already. All right. Uh, so being on the digital marketing side, I think we should probably keep things digital here. That's our space. Um, the one thing that I see over and over and over again is not taking advantage of low hanging fruit. Um, so when we look at where to start marketing, where to start putting your time and energy, it has to be into Google. That's a low hanging fruit. It's where the buyer mindset, the buyer intent exists. Yes, there's social media, different buyer mindset, different seller mindset. We like Google because it takes very little effort to get you results over there. And in particular, there's a platform on there called Google Business Profiles, otherwise known as Google My Business. Google changed the name of that like a year ago. I would love to talk more about that. Welcome to the Painter Growth Podcast, where we help you scale your painting company in record time. Join us as we explore sales, marketing, hiring, finances, leadership, and more, everything that you need to know to scale and grow your painting business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everybody? Mike Gore-Hickman here, founder of PainterGrowth.com. And today I am here with Austin Hauser, founder and CEO of Base Coat Marketing. As you guys know, Base Coat is the first coat that you put on a wall before you put your top coat. It's the foundation. It has to be there. Austin, what is up, man? What's going on, Mike? Thanks for having me here. Yeah, stoked to have you. have gotten to know you. had the privilege of getting to know you over the last several months, being in our, our little mastermind together and, and, and chatting on many occasions. So you're a great guy. You have an awesome business and you're you're kind of smart too. So you know, you know a bit, a bit about marketing. How'd you get into the whole marketing game? Thanks, man. Hey, listen, I, I have a doorway I need to fit through later. So don't make my head too big. All right. Um, so yeah, marketing. Um, I've been marketing ever since college. I found uh, my love for marketing back when I couldn't find a way to make money off a psychology degree. I found that psychology is just essentially marketing, but you make money off of it, right? Um, so I really fell in love with marketing at an early age and have been doing it for well over 15 years. Um, and recently, I would say within the last five to 10 years, then it doesn't seem recent, but um, <laughs> I found a, a big gap in the professional painting space. And we really kind of fell into this market. Uh, we were doing some marketing for a lot of the big guys back in say the early 2010s. Um, before a lot of these guys had their own in-house marketing agencies. And we just found we were really good at generating results and decided to double down and focus on this industry in particular. Wicked. I love it. And, and what have you, since getting into the painting industry, like what have you found about it that's made you want to stick around with it? Like, what do you like about it? Yeah. So look, the painting industry, and I don't know that everybody fully understands this, is relatively unique amongst the home service industries out there. So if you think about things like plumbers, HVAC companies, um, electricians, a lot of those are emergency-based home services, right? So your AC goes out, you're going to pick up the phone and give them a call and get somebody out to your house to fix that AC unit, especially if it's mid-July like it is right now. Painting is what I consider a luxury home service. If, if you have uh, the capability of getting up on a ladder and you can slap some paint on the walls, most people are going to try that on their own to start with until they realize that they don't know what, what they're doing. Um, so it's a different form of marketing. It takes a different buyer mindset and a different seller mindset. And again, going back to the, the idea of psychology, that's what really made me interested in this, this space. Wicked. I want to push back just a little bit on that. I early pushback. Wow. Two minute in pushback. 
Um, <laughs> painting is a luck. Painting is a luxury uh, service, but I also think that and believe that painting is the cheapest form of renovation that you can do. Absolutely. So in a in a slow economy or a recession, I think that if someone really wants to renovate, instead of like renovating their kitchen, they might paint their kitchen or paint their bedrooms or something. You can completely transform a space with at a fraction of the cost. I couldn't agree more. And that's why we love selling cabinet painters. It is a service that is a fraction of the cost. And especially look, during the pandemic, I cannot tell you how many guys that we had come to us and say, we have gone from being a remodeling company to a painting company because it's easier to sell, right? And if you're sitting in your house all winter long, looking at your kitchen, the first thing you're gonna do here in the States when you get your refund check from the government is call up a painter to come repaint your cabinets. It's a great service. Wicked. So in the time that you've been running your marketing company and working with painters, what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen or some of the mistakes you've just seen over and over of painters making in their marketing side of their business that you're like, okay, enough's enough. Everyone needs to know this already. All right. Uh, so being on the digital marketing side, I think we should probably keep things digital here. That's our space. Um, the one thing that I see over and over and over again is not taking advantage of low hanging fruit. Um, so when we look at where to start marketing, where to start putting your time and energy, it has to be into Google. That's a low-hanging fruit. It's where the buyer mindset, the buyer intent exists. Yes, there's social media, different buyer mindset, different seller mindset. We like Google because it takes very little effort to get you results over there. And in particular, there's a platform on there called Google Business Profiles, otherwise known as Google My Business. Google changed the name of that like a year ago. I would love to talk more about that. Google My Business. I love Google My Business. This is, for those that don't know, this is where you get your reviews. This is where people can find you on maps. Uh, this is what basically what makes people decide if you're a real business or not. Yeah. And Google prioritizes those profiles over your website. So you want to talk about priority other than ads, which a lot of people, especially here down in the States, are being priced out of. That Google business profile is your best friend and it's free. I don't know if I mentioned if it's free. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm in, I'm looking for a uh, stucco repair company in my area because we have some stucco that we need repairs repairs on. That's why I'm in the market for a stucco repair, right? Otherwise I wouldn't need stucco repair. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm Googling different companies and um, I'm getting like, I'm getting faceless companies. I'm getting some people with no, you know, no Google map profile. And it's like, it, I'm finding it very hard to want to trust anyone that I can't find any information about other than their website. You, you said a word there that I want to hammer down on, and that's trust. Google is really putting a lot of authority towards online reputation these days. Why? Because they're trying to fight spam and AI. So we all know about chat GPT now. It's, you know, we're six months into this already. AI content is going to really bog down Google's algorithm. And there's a lot of people out there creating multiple business profiles and spamming and trying to do everything they can to claw their way to top of results. Trust and authority and reputation are going to become more and more important in this day and age. Yeah, 100%. I could not agree more. So what, what should you maybe think about or what should you be doing with your Google profile to your Google business profile to make it trustworthy, authoritative, and to make people you know, believe in your reputation? Yeah. So, I mean, other than just going and creating it, number one, I can't tell you how many guys come to us and they're like, we've been around for five years. We have 
one review on our business profile though. Like, and we haven't claimed it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, it's you, you can't buy a reputation online these days. Like, I mean, I'm sure you can go out there and find somebody to post some reviews, but Google's really getting good at their algorithm and filtering those now. And that's so that's business.google.com. Correct. Yep. Okay. Just so we know how to get there, set it up, claim your space. Yeah. And we have a whole SOP on how to go about creating this on our site as well. If you guys go to basecoatmarketing.com slash GBP for Google business profile, we have a whole SOP on that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, really, it's just getting started. Go out there, claim that profile, get that going. Um, there are several technicalities as far as the setup goes that we recommend, and we can definitely dive into that. But the first thing is just going and claiming that profile. Uh, number two is getting customers to leave you a review. And Mike, I would love to hear your strategy behind this because we have a strategy on our end that we train our clients on what to do to get more reviews on that profile. Uh, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, reviews are super important. I want to ask you yours first and then I'll tell you mine. You show me yours and then I'll show you mine. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So we, um, we really train our clients to get a review on every single job that they feel like they've done a good job, right? So like there's always going to be that 2% of crazy out there that... No matter how great of a job you've done, they're still going to find something to nitpick. But if you feel like you've done a good job for Sally Lou, go ask her for that re review before you leave that job site. Now, here's the key. You do it before you leave. Uh, what we like to do is most of our guys do a final walkthrough, whether that's the owner or a project manager, whatever. Um, before you do that final walkthrough, the customer should be at their house, right? Um, go talk to Sally. Say, hey, Sally, we're about ready to wrap up here in about five, 10 minutes. If you wouldn't mind taking five minutes out of your day to leave us a review online, it's what helps us put food on our table. And you have to explain, here's the important part. You're explaining why that review is important. It's what gets our phone ringing. It's what gets us more business through the door. You felt like we've done a good job today. Would you mind taking five minutes out of your day? I can text you a link right now on your phone. All you have to do is click on that link and leave us a review. If you show me that review before we leave, I'll be happy to discount your invoice by $20, $50, whatever you feel like that review is worth for taking the time out of your day. Make sure you say for taking the time out of your day. We're not incentivizing the review, we're incentivizing their time. It's a very important distinction in the terms of Google. The key here is that you're capturing that review before you walk away. Because as we all know, as soon as you walk out that door, the chances of you capturing that review drop significantly. Unless you have some sort of third-party program that's hammering them, even then, it's gonna even drop. Even then, you go from a 80% you know, collection rate to a 10% collection rate. Right, exactly. So every single job, ask for that review. Super important. Yeah. Very similar. Very similar to what we recommend. Who would have thought, you know, there are best, there are best practices. So the, what, we, what we teach and what we recommend is, again, every single job that you feel like you did a, you did a really good job and you're proud of, um, we, we shorten the cycle a little bit. And I know there's some compliance issues around paying for the review. Uh, but what we just recommend is, um, when you're collecting the check or processing the payment, you're writing up the invoice, you have it on your iPad or your phone, or you're, you're just writing it up for them to do a check. Say, did we do a good job? Do you feel like, you know, you'd recommend us to a friend? Okay. Well, what I want to do is offer you $50 off or $20 off is probably even enough. Uh, if you would give us a Google review right now, and you don't have to say you have to give us a five-star review, but if you right. could write us a Google review, uh, right now with a, with a short comment about how we did, um, I'll be happy to give you $20 off the job right now. And yep. you will be surprised virtually every single person will do that. And they will typically, if, especially if you're standing right there, give you a five out of five. 
Exactly. It's so critical. And again, you can't buy a reputation online. That is what everybody else is going to see. So when you talk about trust, when you go on Google and you search for a painter, who are you going to rather call? Somebody that has, you know, 300 five-star reviews or somebody at the bottom of page five with one one-star review. That is a very extreme example, but I think you get the point. It's, it's a trust factor. And that's why Google uses it to rank profiles as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So how many, how many Google reviews do you think is necessary or is that the wrong question? That is the wrong question. So I love this. I love this question though, because we get it all the time. Like how many, how many reviews do I need? It is a relative score. It's a relative number. So if you are in, I always like saying the backwoods sticks of Louisiana, because you know th there's some towns out there that maybe have 30,000 people. Your competition is going to be very slim, where you may have a guy with five reviews and another guy with 10 and then another guy with maybe 20. You maybe have to get five to 10 reviews to start showing up in the map pack. Those of you who don't know, the map pack is the top three rankings on Google search results. It's the ones that display by default when you do things like searching for painter near me. Right. So if you're in Manhattan, that is going to take a while to start showing up in that map pack because you're up against guys who have several hundred reviews, maybe even thousands in some cases. And have been in business since the internet was created. Yeah. And there are a ton of ranking factors on that profile. Uh, the two bi biggest ranking factors are going to be reputation. So how many reviews you have, the cadence of those reviews, which I definitely want to touch on, and then mm -hmm. the proximity. So how close you are to the, the company that you're searching for. And I can definitely dive into that point as well with addresses or no address and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Those are all, those are all really important points and I'm excited to, to learn a little bit more about those. So the first one is about just the number of reviews. Cause sometimes I've searched for a business and like, say I search restaurants in my area and a business with like much fewer reviews will show up over top of a business with way more reviews. Yeah. So how, why is that? So it's not it just is. a number of reviews game. It's not the number. It's how, that's how often you're getting reviews as well. So Google rewards activity and they actually do this on a quarterly basis. And this is something that they do not only for your business profile, but also for local services ads. I know we talked about that before, Mike, um, but each quarter Google will kind of reevaluate where you fall into their algorithm. So it's important to understand that they follow a 12 month calendar year. So we just started a new quarter back in July. It's going to be another one coming up here in a few months. Um, during that quarter, if you get more reviews than your next closest competitor, you have an immediate advantage over them. So it's measured quarterly. It's not, it doesn't always have to do with the total review count. Obviously totals have a ranking impact, whether that's, you know, 40% or 45%. Um, nobody knows Google's a black box, yeah. <laughs> but the number of reviews are just as important as how often you are getting those reviews. So I know, so reviews are obviously, um, yeah, really important. Um, the consistency and how often you do getting that and that, uh, what did you call it? The cadence? Cadence. So how often you're getting those reviews. Okay. So if you're getting a review every three days, that's going to be better than someone who gets five reviews at a time once a month. Yeah. Even so it's, um, no, so I, um, let me back that up. So it, again, it's measured quarterly. So, and okay. we, we know this because we literally just got off the phone with our Google rep and they confirmed that quarterly ranking impacts have, a, have that's how they weight that, or that's how they, they actually go okay. about measuring all that. So the bottom line is each quarter, if you get more reviews than your next closest competitor, you have a slight advantage over them. 
Um, so we recommend our clients just get reviews every single job, or at least we have them aim for one a week. So roughly four a month. Uh, if you can get 50 plus reviews a year, that's going to be more than your competition's probably pulling in. Okay. Wicked. So, um, the number of them and, and the frequency in which you're getting them are both important. So I've noticed, this is a question that I'm personally curious about on your Google profile. You have a place where you can post pictures, you can add statuses, you can post articles, you can update your hours. Is there anything in doing a consistent job in adding pictures or adding updates or posts or deals to your Google profile that will help with your ranking? Yeah, you're, you're really pitching me some softballs here. So yes, um, those images have uh, play a big role. And that's actually something that we manage for our clients. And we we request from our clients every single month is provide us with more videos and images. Those images, we drop them directly on that profile. Again, it's usually just a monthly drop. It doesn't matter weekly over monthly. It's usually measured quarterly. Um, but the more images you have on that profile, the better. Um, the more reviews that include images, the better. Um, so a review that has an image and actually mentions the service that you've done will hold more weight. And we have actually seen in Google search results recently, within the last two or three months, they're actually testing something called uh, services based on reputation. And it's basically a way for you to find interior house painters based on reviews that include the word interior house painting. Uh, that used to never be a ranking factor, but it's something Google's testing. We expect them to roll that out at some point in the future. So if you were talking to a customer in particular and you were doing the $20 thing, if you said, if you wouldn't mind in the comment, just write something about specifically interior house painting. Do you think, do you think coaching your clients like that uh, on writing the specific service would be beneficial to your Google ranking? I think so. Um, again, it's something that we have seen. We actually have a recording of it on our Facebook group uh, detailing exactly what this looks like. We've only seen it on mobile so far. But they are literally picking up and bolding the terms in reviews and offering that up as a way to shop for services. So I would recommend doing it. It may not be a ranking factor today. It may not be something Google's leveraging today. But if they're testing it, there's probably a reason why. Well, I know one thing that I've seen and the Internet is crazy and Google is crazy. Right. But like if I search for something like I search something uh, long chain on Google, which means a whole phrase. If I search a whole phrase on Google, like. Um, you know, how do I fix my carburetor on my blah, blah, blah. And then I go and I find a, a search, uh, 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 one of the top links and I click on it. It will actually highlight that text in the article. Yep. So Google will pull not only the text from the article, but it will go full circle and highlight it for me. So yep. is that kind of the similar, the same kind of concept as, as the words in the Google review? Very similar concept, except it's displayed directly in Google search. It's something that's pulling directly from your business profile. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just another widget. It's another method of Google pushing your website further and further down the search results. Now your website's obviously still very important. It does prop up that business profile. So those that have a well-ranking website should expect that to be a ranking factor for their profile. So it's not something you want to disregard your website altogether as they are all intertwined. Okay. What would you, <laughs> maybe this is another, uh, uh, another, uh, uh, Lob, whatever you call it. Softball. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm not a baseball. <laughs> not a baseball guy. Um, if you uh, can, you run a business without a website, just with a just with a Google page. 
I would rather you come to us with a business profile that's well optimized than a website that's super bloated, full of content, trying to optimize it for search engines. Um, if you're both great, you know, bloated websites have their own caveat. Uh, but at the end of the day, that business profile is what gives us the fuel and ammunition that we need to really ignite our marketing efforts. Um, because, again, you cannot buy that reputation. So no matter how much money you come to us with, if you had a million dollars and you're like, hey, I need 100 five-star reviews on that profile tomorrow, like, okay, well, go find some jobs to pick up in your local market and get those re reviews. You can't buy it directly. You could go door to door and give each homeowner a hundred dollars to give you a review. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You can do that. Yeah. Probably not ethical. It's not a recommendation coming from me. Okay. So um, when it comes to your, you know, we're, we're going to stick on this and let's, let's look at the top three. Um, map pack is what you call yeah. someone searches painter in my area, best painter in my area, painter contractor near me. They get shown up in those top threes, th top three, other than, Google reviews, what are some of the other things that, that people can do to try to aspire to be in one of those top three? Yeah, so we're looking at things like using a local phone number, super important. There's call tracking numbers out there. Uh, Google actually, if you have um, their call tracking feature enabled, it'll give you a report as to how many people called you from that profile each day, each week, each month. Um, it may replace that number automatically with a non-local number. Uh, but having a local number there builds up the trust and authority factor with Google. Again, it's an algorithm. Um, so if you move from New York to California, you're running your painting business in California, you should have a California phone number. Ideally. It's not, uh, It's look, this is not a ranking factor per se directly, but it is something that helps build up trust and authority within Google's algorithm. And also those that are actually looking at your profile. So if they see a bunch of, let's say 910 numbers, which are where we're located at, and then you have a 717 number, they're more likely to call a local number just because they trust in it and it's something that they really look for, right? Subconsciously. 717 um, is, uh, is uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Just how'd so you know? That. Yeah, that's that's where I used to live. Because <laughs> uh, my old boss used to be from Harrisburg and I had ah, a 717 number. Hershey, so, yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. Um, so listing out your services. There is primary categories, there's secondary categories. Um, don't overdo this. A lot of people put a ton of time and energy like, listing out every single service they offer, like interior painting, exterior painting. Sure, do that, but don't get crazy with it. You don't have to use different semantic words and uh, play a game with that. Just painter, list out your big services you want to rank for. That You don't need to get crazy with that. How about the updating your hours on holidays? Is that like, do you think that's a minutia thing that can help with your ranking? It is. And for this, for this reason alone, um, if you are using Google's uh, call tracking, they will monitor whether you're picking up the phone on the other end. Uh, pickup rate for that phone is actually a ranking factor. Uh, it goes into Google local services ads as well. It's something that if you're running LSAs on Google, which are tied into your business profile, so that reputation directly impacts how well those ads perform. If you're not answering your phone, that impacts your overall rating. So by you listing your hours and making sure that if somebody were to reach out to you, that they're not going to reach out to you when you're not available. That's really what you're trying to go about doing there. And that's why it's a ranking factor. So yeah, picking up your phone, that's so funny that, that they can actually track that, right? Like how often do you pick up your phone? Because I mean, to be a good contractor, you do have to pick up your phone. And if you can't pick up your phone, get someone to pick up your phone for you. Yeah. Because like, you know, you don't want to call, you don't want to deal with a contractor who doesn't pick up their phone the first time. They're going to go down the list and you're going to lose, lose out on work and lose out on bids. 
Exactly. And Google knows all this. They're pretty smart. They are pretty smart. They know a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. So that brings me to the next thing that I would love to chat about for a little bit is those three wonderful letters. LSA. Local service ad. This is a new thing from Google. For people who don't know, this is basically Google's answer to Angie's list. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. LSAs are fantastic, but I think they're being oversold. And it's why we actually, we don't charge for a separate service for this particular ad channel uh, because for two reasons. One, uh, they're limited in availability. Um, I don't even know, are they full on available in Canada yet? Or are they still? No, I think they're, I think they just announced them in like Toronto and Vancouver, but okay. definitely not, not in my city, not in the, in the smaller cities of like a few hundred thousand. Yeah. So a few things with LSAs, they're not available everywhere and volume. So your ability to generate phone calls is directly related on two things. And that's your reputation compared to your local competition. So again, going back to that business profile, which it's tied so that's to coming back, your business profile reputation is coming back now if you're doing a local service ads. Yeah. So those two things are linked. Um, and then ultimately, um, you're, so you're ranking locally um, and uh, pickup rate is a big thing there because again, they, they record those calls. Um, and there was something, oh, uh, the number of competitors in your market. So what really dictates whether or not something's going to be available there is how many competitors you have. Um, so let's say that there's two guys in your local market that want to advertise. They're not showing up on that, that um, local search results. But if you are the third competitor, they're going to show up, you're going to show up for every single painting related term in your area. And it's because Google requires three competitors to advertise in that area for those to start showing up. Search volume in your local market is another big factor as to how many calls you can expect, right? So again, going back to small population, less calls, large population, more calls. I mean, you so, can't, you can't uh, make calls appear out of nowhere, which is what a lot of people assume marketing companies can do is create demand. We're marketers, not magicians. The demand has to be there. I mean, even magicians, what is that? The first law of thermodynamics, I think, is matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's you know, but we still get pushback there sometimes. And it's all about education, though, right? Yeah. And this is why I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you, is I think it's important that people understand that these are some of the best quality leads you can get on Google today at the lowest price, right? Outside of organically acquired traffic, because that's free. Um, yeah. LSAs are about as good as it gets. It's something that in most markets, um, averaging between 20 and $60 a lead. So, you know, between 30 and 50, if you want to kind of tighten that up a little bit. And these are, vet, these are vetted leads and Google, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you, if you um, get on the phone with someone and you don't provide the service or it doesn't turn into an estimate, like they're recording the calls and they're, you're getting refunds for the ones that don't turn into estimates. So this is an important point that I want to make very clear you don't get that money back on your card. They're still going to charge you for that call. And I think this is very similar to a lot of those shared lead sites out there. They give you a credit. So if you go and dispute that lead, you're going to get a credit for the next call. Um, what's important is that you dispute those leads as often as possible. Um, you have to approve the ones that were credible and you answer the phone. So the approval process, you would think that, oh, I'll just go answer the phone, get them on my calendar, and that's all I need to do. No, there's a whole backend system where you actually say that's a credible lead that's approved, that's booked. And the reason that's important is it's a feedback loop for Google's algorithm. 
So if you're not actually marking those as, as approved and you're not disputing the unqualified leads, you're gonna be charged for leads you shouldn't be charged for. And Google's not gonna know whether to feed you more of the good leads. It's gonna take so, some management on, on your end, on the, yeah. on the contractor's end. Correct. It's not a simple turn it on and forget about it. There is some backend things you have to do. Roughly average about five minutes per call in the disputes and then a couple of minutes to approve a lead. Um, so over the course of a week or a month, you might invest a couple hours in, into that channel. Okay. And I imagine if you're not doing the um, administration side of it, Google's going to start favoring other businesses who are doing the administration. Bingo. Yep. Because they're feeding more data into its algorithm. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you have done a talk for my uh, coaching crew on how to set up your Google service or local service ads. We don't have to get into exactly how to do that right now. I don't, we don't need to go every single step, but just, just so people can get started, like what's the site that they need to go to, to, to see if it's available in their area. Yeah. So if you go to basecoatmarketing.com slash LSA for local services ads, we have an entire SOP there that details everything that you need to do to go about getting that set up all of the, the caveats um, you know how to go about creating it and then also how to go about researching to see how many other people are already in that advertising channel in that that shotgun waiting to go so for instance if you're in a market that there's nobody advertising i would still recommend going and getting that profile set up why because the age of that profile is a ranking factor. It means that you've wanted to advertise on that channel for a while, you're ready to go. Um, you know, how much you're willing to spend on that channel. We have some guys who come to us and they say, oh, I'm getting great leads. Let's bump up my ad spend. It's like, it doesn't work that way. We can tell Google you have a budget, but again, if the population isn't there, if the search volume's not there, we can't just scale that rate up. Um, it's not like your typical Google ad that we can put it in front of different channels, right? So for the... For the average contractor, number one recommendation to get the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to online marketing is to optimize your Google, Google profile, Google business profile at business.google.com. So you have trust, you have authority, you have reputation, number of, uh, number of uh, reviews, as well as the frequency that you're getting reviews. Um, we have the posts, the, the times, the answer rate, uh, the pictures, anything else that, that guys and girls can do to, to optimize your Google business profile? So you touched on this earlier, but the posts. So there's posts on the business profiles. And I'm sure you recall Google tried to create their own social network, uh, Google Plus, a few years ago. That yep. failed miserably. And but, publicly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, went up in flames. The one thing that stuck around from that was the posts on business profiles. And again, this is all about generating activity. So what we do for our clients is we'll do a few posts each month, generally about one a week that we schedule out and it'll have an image and a link to a blog post or a page on their site with some context and some helpful information. So those posts are not gonna be a direct ranking factor, but again, it's activity. Um, there's a few different types of posts. You can do like a learn more, which again, is just a link that you can put to a website or something. Uh, you can do promo posts where you actually have like an offer to, to extend. It's like those are great. And off all interior printing yeah. jobs. So if you have an offer, go throw it on there. Um, and then you can also do things like event posts. So if you have a new promo coming up next month, maybe do an event for it or like a 4th of July promo or something, right? The important thing to understand though is those posts fall off. So after a couple months, they're not gonna exist anymore. So again, it's one of those things that Google's really trying to keep you on that treadmill of activity. The more you generate, the more you're active on their platform, the more they're gonna reward you for staying there. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. How about something as simple as a before and after project picture? Is that something that, that Google likes to see as well? Or do we want to keep them sales and marketing oriented? Uh, no, for sure. Before and after pictures. All right, yeah, that's actually a good point. So when you're uploading images to your business profile, we have a lot of guys ask, you know, should I be um, like editing these images in Photoshop or on my phone or something before I post them? The answer is mostly no. You want to keep these as authentic as possible and strictly post them right from your phone or send them over to a marketing agency like us and we'll post them for you. Um, when we do cropping, when we do editing for our clients, we retain the meta information on there. So there's um, EXIF data on there. There's a lot of controversy out there whether or not those are actually a ranking factor. Uh, a lot of people say we have proof that it, it works. A lot of people say we have proof that it doesn't. We are tend to do the thing that if there's proof that it might work, we're gonna try it anyways, right? So the important thing is that we retain the metadata. So that's gonna include things like geotag. So Google strips out this information when you upload it to your profile. But if it doesn't have it, it's not going to store it and it's not going to be able to leverage that data. So Google. for clarity, if you have a picture, like say I have this picture on my phone, yep. just on the screen, I'm showing my phone and then you scroll up, it has, is that how it do it? Yeah. So here it says iPhone 14 Pro Max, telephoto camera, 77 millimeters, um, 12 megapixels, 1.7. And it has a, a location a map of like actually where it was taken. That's what you mean by metadata. Yeah. And if you put that into an editor, so I'm thinking like if you drop it down to your, your computer or use like a phone editor app, it will sometimes, most of the time, I should say, strip that data out because it's trying to optimize the image, right? Mm -hmm. And then you lose that, that data, you lose that signal that you're no longer sending to Google. Google really tries to crack down on stock photos. Totally. I was just going to say this applies to stock photos. If I steal yep. something from Google, Google image search, and I put it on my profile, what is like, that's probably a negative. Yeah. And look, this, if you want to compare it to things like uh, social media, you know, so social media is all about generating content. And that is, that's how you keep yourself on that treadmill. Google's no different. It wants you to generate unique content to put on its platform. If you're sitting there trying to reuse stock images, you're getting no credit for that. So it's really important that you're using images from your phone, taken on site. If you do editing, do it within the iPhone app. That way it retains all of that metadata information. Don't try to use like a third-party app or Photoshop or anything. And then just toss it on there. Before and after images, if you want to combine them, great. Just don't use watermarks. Google doesn't reward you for that. And it's, it's just a bad practice. Don't use your own watermarks or don't use images that already have watermarks? Both. I mean, just watermarks okay. in general. There's, again, a lot of controversy out there as to whether or not Google actually penalizes you for that or if they're just not going to reward you for it. Yeah. Bottom line is, if your prospects are going through your list of images and they see your watermark on everything, it takes away from their experience. And ultimately, that's what you're trying to capture at the end of the day. Interesting. And by watermark, you mean like throwing your logo on top of your yeah. image in the bottom corner or something like that. And look, we, we have some guys who come to us and they're like, well, we do that because our competitors stole all of our images and use them. And it's like, all right, well, that's going to happen. That's that's called competition in the world of business. It's it's shitty. But Especially yeah. in the online business, people are going to steal everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, really what that is, is when you, uh, you said trust, authority and reputation, but another word that I, you know, is kind of being, you know, danced around, but not necessarily said is, um, is authenticity, yep. right? But Google wants to reward authenticity in business. And, and I guess that's how they crack down on spam. 
authenticity and the, the keyword there is being helpful. So when we look at Google's algorithm and they, they say this over and over and over again, helpful content, that's really what it's looking for these days. So for you to be authentic is really just to be less salesy and more informational knowledge sharing. So again, being helpful. Uh, so I think that all kind of fits into the same bucket there. But for instance, there's a description field on your business profile. None of that text you put in there is going to be a ranking factor. That's, that's straight, straight out the door. That's a proven concept. Google doesn't care about any of that text. What it does is it provides you an opportunity to be authentic and helpful. Describe your company. Why are you different? What sets you apart? You know, your prospects are going to read that most likely. And if you're sitting there like, call us today. We're the best in the, the biz around here. Like, that's going to be an immediate turnoff for them. So yeah. be authentic. Be helpful. Yeah, I was actually talking to Brad Ellison earlier. And one of the things that he said is um, he recently got awarded a job when someone in his community was looking for a painter, a cabinet painter, and uh, the owner of another cabinet painter said, hey, we do cabinets. And then Brad commented on top of it and, and said, you yes, they do cabinets. We also do cabinets, but you should hire them because they are really good at what they do. And then the customer called Brad and said, I liked how you dealt with that customer. I'm going to call you instead. I'm, I'm going to use you instead, right? Because there's like that, that authenticity, that yeah. trust, that selflessness that is attractive. It's so true. And, you know, that, that goes across everything, not just online, offline too, though. Like if you're not being your authentic self, if you can't put yourself out there and, and trust that other people aren't going to judge you, it's you're really shooting yourself in the foot. 100%. And that, that also comes back to, you know, living in a you know, world of abundance versus abundance, a world of scarcity and being helpful to others and not, not, trying to, not trying to take everything for yourself, but trying to add to the world instead of take away from it. And that's why we try to give as much as we possibly can. Um, I'm willing to give our entire SOP library away, right? And it's because I know people can benefit from it. And I think that's really what people look for these days. And, you know, we, we can't preach it if we're not willing to do it ourselves. 100%. That's the whole reason I, I did this podcast is so I can share, you know, these valuable lessons with, with everybody else completely for free. And, and if they get enough value for free from us, then maybe one day they'll want to get some paid value from us. Can you imagine what's sitting behind the curtain? I mean, that's really what, 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 that's really what, what you got going on there. We give away, you know, everything. It's actually, I got that tip from Alex Harmozy. You have to give away your best stuff or else if you only give away your worst stuff for free, people are just going to think that your stuff sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's coming out with a new book next month too. So yep. keep your eye out for that. Absolutely. Um, I have a, uh, now that you mentioned it, I have a referral code to sign up. So I'm gonna put that in the description too. Do it. <laughs> Want to get that interview with Alex. Ah, uh, same. <laughs> so we talked about, um, we talked about Google business profiles, right? Super important for, for any service and not any service-based business, any business ever, right? You want those ever. reviews. You want to be top of mind. Um, is there a way to be to like, you know, when you talk about like SEO, search engine optimization, this is about the whole, you know, science behind your website to, to optimize that. But when it comes to doing SEO around your Google business profile and optimizing that specifically so that you could, you can come up with, come up when someone searches exterior painters, siding painters, interior painters, high-end painters, how do you optimize for keywords on your Google business profile or can you? Yeah. So going back to the reviews and including terms in the reviews, that seems to be like something that Google's going to really start pushing soon. 
it, it look, Google's really trying to get away from the optimization aspect of their algorithm. That's why they're putting so much effort into things like AI and reputation and authorship. So when we talk about authorship, that's the on-page content you put on your site. We put very little effort to off-site optimization other than your business profile and being active on that for you. Is that like backlinks? Backlinks. It's something, guys, stop buying backlinks. Like, yeah, they'll get you up there temporarily and your competition might be doing it. So you're kind of fighting an unfair advantage there. But Google's really putting less and less weight on those as time goes on. Um, and it's something that if they catch on, they're going to penalize you. Uh, that, that's a direct violation of their terms of service. I'm no so, concept of like, not, no, no offense to you, but the whole concept of SEO is like cheating the algorithm. Exactly. Possible. Yep. So that's why we don't cheat the algorithm. We, we give Google more of what it wants. Um, and we do that by creating things like helpful content, mixed media. So we ask our, our clients to provide us with images and videos each month. Uh, we have an in-house video editing team. They're, they're killer. Um, and they'll pull down those, those videos and create some content, post it to YouTube. We'll use that on, let's say, social media ads. Um, but it's that mixed media content that Google eats. Its algorithm loves it because it provides value. It's not just text on a page with an image. It's a, <laughs> a video type. Or, uh, or trying to like hide the keywords in your web page somewhere with like the same color font as the Stop background. It. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's, it's, it, we build things that are called content silos, you know, and it's about providing value around a particular topic and you go an inch wide and a mile deep. And again, Google's algorithm loves that. So we just look at what Google likes and ultimately look at the end of the day, it wants helpful content. It looks at, um, it looks at anybody using its algorithm or its, uh, its search engine as somebody who's trying to find information and the faster they can deliver that information to that, that customer the better it's going to be for Google and the better it's going to be for the, the customer because it takes less resources off of Google's server. And then at the end of the day, it delivers the answer they're looking for faster. Do so, you think Google can tell the difference between like AI generated content, like a chat GPT article versus a, a human written article? If you asked me that four or five months ago, I would have said, yeah, now it's becoming less and less likely. Um, is it because the, the, the con there's more content or is it because the, the AI is better? Uh, the, the latter, the AI is getting good and it's, it's exponentially good. This is going back to like the early days when the silicon chips were, um, you know, adding more and more, uh, bandwidth every single month. And you could predict that out, right. Similar to AI right now. That's it's, Moore's yeah, law. Yep. Moore's law. It's getting very, very easy to predict where we're going to be at in a few months. Uh, the bottom line is Google can still probably detect with a high degree of accuracy, AI content. And Anytime you develop content, it has to be helpful. And it is still, it's still very easy to identify content that's untouched. So if you don't have any human intervention there, they're, they're going to be pretty good at identifying that content. But as long as that content's helpful, there's more and more of an argument to be had about, all right, let's just generate content that people want and a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. So that's really good advice is like, it's got to be, it, it, like you said, it's got to be stuff that people want. It just can't be junk articles that don't go anywhere or that people aren't searching for. Yeah. So what is, when, when someone works with base code, right? It's a painting company. They're, you know, they're, they've started seeing some success in their business. Maybe they're doing 30 or 40,000 a month and they want to take their business to the next level. How do you work with a business like that? And, and, like, what are the things that you do to actually help them reach that next level? So the first thing we do is we get to know who we're working with and whether or not we can help them. Uh, we turn away a lot of business that could afford our services for one reason or another. 
Uh, I brought up one at the beginning of this podcast is a guy showing up with a multi-million dollar painting company and one Google review. That's going to be tough for us to get some traction quickly. And we really look for those quick wins. So we get to know kind of where you're at today, where you stand amongst the market. Um, we never want you to stretch to afford our services. We're not going to take you on in that case. That, that person having one Google review would be a lot better than the company having 10 one-star reviews. Uh, so you're looking at the glass half full there. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> that, that is something that we would not work with somebody with a reputation like that because they're probably not good at what they do. And we don't want to promote that within the, the space, right? Yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's about getting to know who we're working with, making sure they're a good fit for our team and that we're going to be a good fit for them. We like to build relationships, right? Marketing is all about relationships. Um, we're building a relationship on our end with our client and then for our clients and their customers. So for us to be able to amplify their message, we have to get to know who they are, what kind of food they like, where they go on vacation. Uh, you know, That's the kind of detailed um, information that we need to get from them in order to amplify that message effectively. So unlike most marketing agencies that are going to take your credit card, say we're going to send you some phone calls, we, we spend a good three hours on the phone with our clients before we do any work for them. That's before we even collect payment. And then yeah, we collect a wonderful payment. way to do things. Yeah. Right. It's, it's logical in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we build a marketing campaign that's holistic. We play by the rules. We have a very aggressive marketing strategy, but we build business assets. So when we talk about building an asset online, that's things like your website. That's optimizing that profile. Um, that's building you an ad campaign that you can take and adapt at any point in the future, regardless of whether you stay with us. So um, I think to just put it like a bow on this, it's just we're building relationships. We want to make sure that our clients succeed. It's pretty straightforward. So, I mean, success comes from a lot of, a lot of things done right and few things done wrong. Um, creating a holistic marketing strategy just sounds like a little, a little fuzzy in terms of what that actually means. So like brass tacks, what are you doing? Yeah. So we start by building a website and we optimize that site. And again, we talked about helpful content. That's all we create. Not we have human, I'm sorry. Not backlinks. Yeah, no backlinks. We uh, we do press releases. Those generate backlinks, all Google okay. approved. Um, we have content writers on our team. We evaluate what, kind of where you stand in the algorithm each month. We write more content around what needs to be pulled up. Um, so we have a very, uh, again, a very targeted, aggressive approach on the SEO side. Um, we don't look at SEO as just your website and where that ranks. Again, that's your business profile. That's your LSAs. They're all tied together. That's your social profile. That's, that's the yeah. presence over there. Uh, we do social ads, um, Google ads. So, and we're actually exploring a number of other channels right now. With ChatGPT, you can now advertise on that. That's going to become a very lucrative market over there. Wow. wow. So there's a lot going on out there and we're always testing. Okay. And uh, so those are a lot of, that is a lot of exciting stuff. W what, are the, what are the KPIs that you would deem a successful marketing campaign, say like after three months, after six months, I know it's going to depend on the business, but what are the, what are the metrics that you look at that determine whether or not a, a campaign has been successful? Right. So it's really money in money out. That's our main strategy. As long as you're bringing more money in each month than you would have had without us um, and you're spending less on our services than you're bringing in, we're doing a good job. Um, now the multiple of that, whether that's five X, 10 X, 20 X, 30 X, which, we have some clients doing 30x return on, on our spend. It's insane. Pretty insane. Um, yeah. It's, it's very dependent on your market and your ability to generate results, meaning reviews on your profile and media and assets. Those are two things that we need from all of our clients. 
you guys can do that, which you so should. Hey, it's not a, I'm going to hire you and I'm going to put my feet up. It's like, I got to do, I got to do some work. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. Yep. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people misunderstand is marketing agencies. Again, we're not magicians. We're marketers. We require fuel to feed that marketing machine. As long as you do that, as long as you play ball, we can do a hell of a job for you. I love that. You know, I, I, when I, a lot of people here listening might know that I used to run my business used to be a mar- my business used to be a marketing agency and I would get clients coming to me for Facebook ads and the expectation when they came up, at least what they thought the expectation was is we would run ads, they would get leads and they didn't have to do anything. And so it would attract a customer who'd like cross their arms, put their feet up and say, why didn't I get more leads this week? I want no. more leads. And I was so turned off by that business model because of the the type of client that it attracted. It attracted that, that client that just wanted everything done for them and they took no accountability for their business. Yep. But now in my coaching model, and it sounds like your, your, um, your marketing model attracts the same type of person as my coaching model, it's how can we do this together? How can we build this business together? I'm going to help you. You're going to help me. We're going to work together and we're going to figure this out. If something doesn't work, it's nobody's fault, but we'll fix it for next time. Yeah, totally. And look, it's, you're absolutely correct though. It's, it's all about customer education. So when we talk to somebody on the phone, if they have that expectation that they're going to put their feet up on the table and answer the phone, we're going to flat out tell them, I'm sorry, we are not a good fit for you today. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many phone calls we turn away because of that expectation. Yeah, There's persona, very pinpointed, persona, right? Yeah, exactly. We've asked very pinpointed questions to get to that mindset. Um, and you know, we don't always get it right, but I would say nine times out of 10, we turn away the right people. That's wicked. And so if, if someone's listening here who's in that business where they started to see some success, they're growing their business quickly, and they're super excited to take it to the next level, how do they get in touch with you? Go to basecoatmarketing.com slash call, or you can go to any page on our website, click on the call now button, get in touch with our team. We'll get you on the calendar. Um, it is something that we get very busy around this time of the year. So as the painting industry gets slow, we get busy. Painting industry is coming towards the end of summer soon. We're, our phones are going to start to ring. Um, we usually get booked up. I'm from Canada. We, are not, we, we cannot start thinking about the end of summer yet. I'm not allowing it yet. <laughs> we're, we're exactly at the first quarter of summer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, down here in the south, you can almost paint all year round. But yeah. um, for most of the other country, parts of the country, that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, basecomarketing.com slash call. And guys... If you're, if you're, if you're trying to take your business to the next level, you've already seen some success and you really want to like optimize everything online and really make the most out of your online profile and getting leads from the, from the internet, you know, the internet can be a big, scary place, but, um, Austin at Basecoat Marketing, um, he's got the solution and I will try, I would trust him with my grandmother's painting company. If you have one. Yeah. That's, that's, that is a vote of confidence. (laughs) Right on, man. Well, I wouldn't have anyone on who I wouldn't trust trust here. And so, uh, yeah, dude, it was a really, um, eye opening. I took a whole page of notes. I'm going to be reporting a lot of these things back to, to my yes. clients as well. Awesome. And I hope everyone else took notes as well. If you're on the tools, off the tools, if you're painting and listening to this, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. And thank you. Thanks, Austin. Cheers, Take care, man. Thanks for listening to the painter growth podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.